Welcome back. Thursday, January 18th, 2024. Coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Hello, Mr. Bill. Hello, David Dahl, my producer. Hello, Miss Terry. Hello, you all. 602-508-0960. Seven days ago, the Washington Post had a headline screaming at the top of its website, quote, violent political threats surge as 2024 begins, haunting American democracy, close quote. That would be the same day that Dr. Jill Biden told Mika Brzezinski on MSNBC that, quote, it's scary what the extremists have turned this country into, close quote. Yesterday, not to be outdone, Vice President Kamala Harris was on The View and said she's, quote, scared as heck. And we should all be scared, close quote, about the prospect of Donald Trump getting reelected by, quote, unquote, the crazies. Top story of the Drudge Report this morning was headlined assassination attempts on rise worldwide is USA next. Beginning to get the picture, the theme, the narrative, collecting from assorted reports elsewhere. Over the past several years, not within the past several months, Mickey Rourke said he'd like 30 seconds in a room with the little B-I-T-C-H, meaning Donald Trump, so he could take a Louisville slugger to him. Larry Wilmore, host on Comedy Central, said of Trump, quote, I don't want to give him any more oxygen. That's not a euphemism, by the way. I mean it literally. Somebody get me the pillow they used to kill Scalia and I'll do it. I'll do it. Close quote. The comedian George Lopez tweeted a cartoon image of a former Mexican president, Vincente Fox, holding the decapitated head of Donald Trump aloft with the caption, Make America Great Again. Marilyn Manson put out a video with a Trump-like figure wearing a suit and a red tie, lying decapitated on a concrete floor in a pool of his own blood. Rosie O'Donnell tweeted out a link to a game called Push Trump Off a Cliff. Madonna said to a rally she, quote, thought an awful lot about blowing up the White House, close quote. Robert De Niro said he wanted to punch Donald Trump in the face. Kathy Griffin publicized herself holding up a blood-drenched, decapitated head of Donald Trump and made a video of it. New York City's public theater produced a play with Donald Trump being killed like Julius Caesar. Johnny Depp asked when was the last time an actor assassinated a president. Anthony Bourdain asked if he ever cooked for Donald Trump what he'd serve him. His answer was hemlock. At a pro-choice rally, Chuck Schumer shouted the names of Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch and said, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Of course, too, when someone tried to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh, the president and vice president said not word one, not a thing. And Jen Psaki, then press, then press secretary, said, quote, I guess it's against the law, but we hope these protests remain peaceful, close quote, when the assassin showed up at one of those illegal protests in front of Kavanaugh's home. When violent rioters tore down a statue in Baltimore, Nancy Pelosi was asked about it and said, people will do what people will do. And, of course, when Donald Trump went to the hospital with COVID, Hillary Clinton's former press secretary she said she... Hillary Clinton's former press secretary said she hoped Trump would die. 
But Dr. Jill Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris are scared and frightened of Trump getting elected by the crazies, while the media theme is about the political violence of the conservative movement. Fright and scare. That's the theme. And everyone in the Republican Party was evidently at the Capitol on January 6, 2021, when in fact one thousandth of one percent of Trump voters were a number so small you could not find it on a pie chart with a microscope. And nobody knew any of their names. That is, it's not as if they were representatives of any constituency and probably not even precinct committeemen. Kamala Harris went on to tell the ladies of The View yesterday that, quote, you know, there's an old saying that there are only two ways to run for office, either without an opponent or scared. She continued, so on all of those points, yes, we should all be scared, close quote. We should all be scared. I don't know how prominent that old saying is, but clearly with the effort to remove Donald Trump from state ballots, as is taking place not just in Colorado or Maine, but in multiple of other, multiples of other states, the Democratic Party playbook is hedging its bets on both, trying to run unopposed and trying to feign fright regarding the opposition. Yes, indeed, there is so much to be frightened of with a reelected Donald Trump, especially if based on empirical evidence, you might just have Middle East peace. You might just have a humming economy. You might just have a contained and defanged Iran. You might just have a Russia that doesn't invade other countries. You might just have unprecedented economic growth in minority communities. And you might have had an Afghanistan that didn't return to the rule of the Taliban. But, of course, as A.J.P. Taylor put it, history does not reveal its alternatives. But you do have the empirical evidence of this administration. And if there were any evidence of success, the playbook would not be all about trying to turn the Republican Party into some kind of chimera with the drama of Monty Python's Spanish Inquisition dusted off and updated for 2024, where the Democratic Party's chief weapons are fear and surprise and ruthless efficiency and a fanatical devotion to power and ideology. Here's what should frighten. Using intelligence agencies to quash a news story about Biden family corruption right before an election— and a media that was willing to go along with it. The suppression of news on social media or elsewhere, the suppression and intimidation of parents and their rights to speak out at school board meetings, the attempted government's coercion of news with Orwellian-titled disinformation governing boards. How does that not frighten and scare, especially from those who claim to be the redoubts of democracy? Here's what I do know from reading vastly in the genre of self-help and psychology. One of the worst emotions to base a decision on is fear. Think about what the moral panics of every generation, including COVID, have done to people and societies. Short answer, ruination. Decisions based on fear and the personal realm lead to lead to slamming on the brakes instead of steering into the skid, immobilizing just when the greatest need for strength is called for. Dysfunction, insomnia, ulcers, dry mouths and jitters at the very moment when there is the greatest premium on clarity and eloquence, according to one scholar. 
Another scholar put it that fear-based decisions lead to an overestimation of perceived risk, lower assessments of perceived benefits. We used to be able to put fear in its proper context around here. That was the point, actually. Certainly of most children's literature, particularly fairy tales. As Dr. Bruno Benelheim put it, those fairy tales that used fear in their themes were meant to clarify emotions, properly attune us to anxieties and aspirations, give full recognition to true difficulties so that we could live emotionally well-balanced lives. It's not what we're doing these days, and it's one political party that is stoking it. The Democrats and the left are not about well-balanced emotions today. They are about fear and surprise and ruthless efficiency and a fanatical devotion to their ideology. In the old Monty Python script, after realizing their self-anointing of Spanish inquisitors ceases to be effective, do you call what they end up saying as all they are left with for a chief weapon at the very end? Do you remember what they say? Blah, blah, blah. Yep. It's about all the Democrats have right now. And do you know the English etymology of the word blah? It means absolutely dark. And so I give you not a comedic skit from the 1970s England that represents today's Democratic Party. I just give you today's Democratic Party in America. Ab. Absolutely dark. Fear-inspiring and dark. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Let me put in a word for a great event we have coming up on March 26th at Arizona Christian University, Fighting for Freedom. If I could speak, that would be even better. Fighting for Freedom is the title. An evening with the 960 Patriot hosts me, Mike Gallagher, and Brandon Tatum, Officer Tatum. It's going to be a great event. A discussion on the politics and news of the day, including the presidential election and, of course, taking your Q&A with Mike Gallagher and Brandon Tatum. You can go to 960thepatriot.com for tickets. Please do. Uh, it'll be great to see you. These are always fun and enlightening. Mike, uh, you'll be there, young Dave. Mike, I got, you know, Mike Gallagher, um, he's had several visits to Phoenix over the years. He's just one of, one of the most wonderful people. Um you, you you meet a lot of people in in, in this business um, who are you know more famous than you are, and um, and and people sometimes ask you what they're like. I Mike is exactly who he is in public as he is in person. He has the gift of being himself, and I will tell you when we first just a nice thing about his humility. Not all not all hosts are are equally humble and. Um, when Bill Bennett uh, got his radio show in 2004 and brought me in to produce and co-host, um, we were 
doing so in D.C. And Mike Gallagher had occasion to be in D.C. a bunch those days, in those days. There was just no one more helpful, I got to tell you. You know, he just couldn't be helpful enough to us. He's um, he's just a great, great, great man, and it'll be good to see him. It's It's been too long. I haven't seen him in uh, too terribly long. I'm trying to think when the last time was that I did see him. Was it at one of our events? I would think we had an event perhaps with him in yeah. the springtime of last year, so was maybe a last, good year. Was it, has it been a, a good It'll year? Be about a year from the last event, I want to say. Yeah. There's a poster floating, a picture floating around the internet of him hugging a baby Dagny in the studio, a young Dagny. Oh, I think I've seen that. Yeah, yes. cute. I think it was her first year of life, and he's hugging her, just hugging her. He's just such a warm human being. World Economic Forum. Do we need to talk about it, young David? Are you picking up on this? Am I picking up on it? It's kind of scary stuff. It is. It used to be a lot more talked about and a lot more discussed. Seems to me there's a little more pushback from the forces of composition uh, than usual this go-round. You saw Jamie Dimon. We played Jamie Dimon's uh, audio yesterday. Saying, you know, Trump got some things right, guys. You might want to, you might want to get off this uh, fear and surprise. He didn't say fear and surprise, but he said you might want to get off denigrating half the country. He got some things right. He said he got NATO right. He got China right. He got immigration right. He got COVID right. <laughs> There's some big things to get right coming from the EF Hutton of our times, so so to speak. Jamie Dimon, the head of uh, J.P. Morgan, Morgan Chase. Um, that was interesting. One interesting tidbit from Davos. There are some others, of course. Uh, the Argent, Ar- Ar- the new Argentine, the new president of Argentina, Javier Milei. He's incredible. He's incredible. I, I have to read you what he said because uh, he spoke in um, in native tongue. Uh, so I'll read it to you. Uh, and of course, Kevin Roberts from the Heritage Foundation was pulling no punches either. I seem to remember there being more news about it. Did you see that weird pagan prayer, David, the coughing prayer by that woman with the red painted face? And she went around and coughed in everyone's faces. It was really, really weird. And these people just stand on stage, sit on stage. She she does the prayer. You should look for it. And then she goes, Bill, did you see this? And then she goes and coughs in each participant's face on the stage. And I'm thinking, what would what would Anthony Fauci say? There is, but they sit there. No, one sec. They just sit there normally because God forbid anyone say the emperor has no clothes. God forbid anyone on stage in Davos stand up and say, um, "No, thanks." Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say there is a small, minute uh, subsection of the population that actually worships diseases. Well, talk to me about that. Well, you know, ever since it's really come to light over the past, what, four years? Because ever since essentially society shut down yeah. over a disease, there is a very small, very small, minute percentage. You mean like religiously? In, in a sense, they say that uh, diseases have changed the world more than an evidential God has. Oh. Yes. Oh, so they welcomed these. Because th- of the past uh. four years, it's really changed the perspective. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, again, we're talking. Tenths of percentages. Yeah, of the I understand. But uh, there is a small percentage of people, and I wonder if this woman was one of them, having not seen the video or anything. Take like a that. look; you'll freak yeah. out. It's freaky. Um, worship the disease. I thought you meant it the way you said it. To be sure, 
there's a different kind of worshiping of it. There are those who do worship moral panic, and that's the kind of stuff you and Lewis Hallman and I were walking you through, and we all walked through. Dr. Jasser was part of our, our team effort as well, walking us through during those dread years of 2021—excuse me, 2020 and 2021— um, but, you know, this this moral panic that that people seem to want to um, to delight and enthrall themselves in. That's the right word, enthrall themselves in. You know, this 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 widespread feeling of fear uh, based on irrational considerations and interests there are psychiatric diagnoses. Uh, there are Munchausen diseases, right, where you want to delight and and th- and and thrill over over being continually sick. There's also Munchausen by proxy, which is you know what you when you when you foist it on someone else, usually a, an underage child, is how that develops. It's kind of sick though when it becomes a delight of moral panic in a society at large, and you are deemed the unhealthy one if you don't buy into the irrationality. This is what we face. And I think still the best line of it, and I don't remember if it was Joe Rogan or Adam Carolla or Adam Carolla quoting Joe Rogan when he said, COVID took out a lot of people, most of them still alive. I think he was driving at that very point when he said that. Do you remember, Mr. Bill, if that was Adam or Joe? It could have been either, right? Yeah. I, one of them quoting the other. Who, who did I have on yesterday was talking about five-minute experts with? Do you remember who I had yesterday? We were talking about people that just show up at a CNN studio or an MSNBC studio with no knowledge about the topic but they're told what position they have to have. Adam does a lot on well, this, yesterday right? Yesterday was Wednesday, so it was either Congressman Sreichert or Congressman It might have been John Shattig. It might have been John. And, you know, these people that have never heard of ivermectin show up in a CNN studio and are told, no, it's horse pace. You've got to just go off on it being irresponsible to take. Oh, okay. I'll go, tell, I'll go say that. That's the kind of work CNN is engaged in. I wonder why I was thinking of that. Anyway, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Young David, we can put that song on the chopping block if we need to. Do we have to? Yeah, Ah. we may, because we only have room for so many under the new... You know how many Beatles fans there are in America? Oh my gosh, I don't. Do you? Well, not off the top of my head, but I'm sure it's a lot. Oh, okay. It's got to be up there with Elvis and Frank Sinatra. Yeah. You really want to go down that road? <laughs> it's okay. We give we we give the Beatles their due here. We have a lot of Paul McCartney. I can see the headlines tomorrow. Seth Liebson declares war on the you Beatles. You are about tomorrow's headlines. Um, with your with your other work in the Salem. Um, in the Salem Corporation, you uh, in the Salem Mothership, you help uh, put together uh, weekly news stories, and you sometimes you're like Kyle Chandler in uh, that TV show, Early Edition, where you know tomorrow's stories today. Tomorrow's news today. Yeah, and uh, what was that? We heard it over the break. Uh, what was it? Prime Minister Netanyahu 
Prime Minister Netanyahu. Reportedly. Yeah, you want to do it? Go ahead. Yeah, the Financial Times uh, just this morning uh, revealed that Prime Minister Netanyahu, and the Jerusalem Post also picked up the story today, that Prime Minister Netanyahu has rejected a proposal that was brought to him by Secretary of State Blinken this week, which would have included the establishment of formal relations between Saudi Arabia and Israel on the condition that Israel seeks a peace which would establish a formal Palestinian state with the caveat being their entry into the United Nations. Yeah, this can't happen right now uh, for certain. And I think the two-state solution is dead, mostly because those who would engage on the Palestinian side of it want Israel dead. Only yesterday, uh, Khaled Mashal, a founder of Hamas, the former head of Hamas, now still a senior member of Hamas, who's hiding in Turkey, said, quote, and I read you, for anyone who supports a two-state solution, we want one state. We demand a state from the border with Lebanon to the border with Egypt. That means no Israel. The, this, this notion that the Palestinian 82% of those on the West Bank, 82%, not 72, not 62, not 52, not a minority— 82%, one might call it a super-duper majority, on the West Bank, governed by Mahmoud Abbas, that's supposedly the moderate part of the Palestinian territories, 82% supported the October 7th attacks on Israel. 82%. You're going to have a two-state solution with that entity right now? With Mahmoud Abbas in his 18th year of his one four-year term? Do you know why Mahmoud Abbas will not submit to an election and why he's only been elected once? Young David, do you know why? Because he won't win. He won't win. Hamas will win. Hamas is where the power center is in both the West Bank and Gaza. By supermajoritarian sentiment. And not just as a political entity, but as a political entity that supported the October 7th attacks. Someone please tell me what it is worth to the aspirations of the United Nations, the Declaration of Human Rights upon which the United Nations was founded, or any other articulable interest other than Jews dead, is resultant from creating another Syria or another Libya, except worse, because Syria and Libya has never engaged in the kinds of things that Hamas engages in. Tell me why the world needs that, please. Do we Are we not surfeited enough with those kinds of failed nation states? Failed nation states who, if you are opposed, by the way, to colonialism, should be the first on your list to be eliminated as entities of colonialism. That's This, this whole thing is upside down. This whole thing is wrong. Netanyahu, by the way, news for the world, isn't the only one rejecting the two-state solution, um, as proposed by Antony Blinken, who's more blinkered than blink in, it's the left in Israel as well. No one in Israel wants this. No one. You know why? Because they can't have it. 
the two-state solution is a sluice to a one-state solution, and it ain't Israel. This is Seth Leapson here for my friends from the Midas Gold Group War Room. The MAGA veterans at Midas point out that the Federal Reserve note does not belong to you. It belongs to the Federal Reserve Bank, while the federal debt doesn't belong to the Federal Reserve Bank. That belongs to you. It's your wake-up call to what the Midas Gold Group veterans believe the central bank and government are trying to do, a controlled demolition of our current system with a central bank digital currency to take complete and utter control of our transactional freedoms. Protect yourself. Turn this wake-up call into a phone call to veteran-owned Midas Gold Group at 480-360-3000 or go to MidasGoldGroup.com. That's 480-360-3000 or MidasGoldGroup.com. Always faithful Midas Gold Group, MAGA, and proud of it. MidasGoldGroup.com. Do you want to bring in something else on the international scene there, young David, you said? Sure, okay. since we're already we're already across oceans. I just wanted to discuss something with you. Yesterday in the House of Commons, the conservatives, the Tories, as we would know them, the bad guys in the Revolutionary War, scored a major victory by um, passing legislation which says those refugees who are coming to Britain in boats and other such things as they come from North Africa now will be shipped on or flown on one-way flights to Rwanda, a member of the slowly dwindling Commonwealth, to stay there until they are approved or denied citizenship. And if they are, they have to remain in Rwanda and homestead there. Now, people are – there was some pushback from within the Tory party. There were about 60 MPs that wanted stronger legislation, which is fascinating to me. Um, but it, a soft-handed approach was passed yesterday, and it's only the first step in implementing this policy. But it just got the wheels in my head thinking. It reminded me of something – I don't know – something we had a couple years ago, oh, about three and a half years ago called – what was it? Remain in Mexico? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you remember that one? Yeah, I do. It was, it a, just, Trump, it's, it was it's, a Trump plan that it Biden catching canceled? on yeah. all over, yeah. maybe? Yeah. Do we really have to go back to the days of uh, looking to Mother Britain for a guide well, on I'll where tell we you, need to go? You're on to something, though, because it is odd how European modeled so much of the left in America wants to ape, how much European modeling they want to ape. Why can't we be more more like Europe this? Why can't we be more more like Europe that? That's why there's a World Economic Forum in Europe. Um, and yet when you look at some of these things, item by item, that are the most uh, controversial perhaps in America, maybe that's the right word, Europe is more conservative than the left here in America. Whether it's abortion policy, whether it's immigration policy, now anyway, certainly on certain countries with their immigration policies. In fact, part of the reason, I think it was Hallman, Hugh Hallman who pointed this out to me, I think part of the reason that we had so much traffic from uh, West Africa into the uh, uh, Lukeville entry, port of entry, was um, was because Europe particularly had become harder for people from West Africa to migrate to. So, you know, there's the sucker, the United States. And that's where 
that that's that's why that's why they can all happily do what they do in Europe and make and the left can um, berate us for not not following Europe, but not not following common sense. Europe's trying to save itself right now. It's it's got a pretty tall order to do so because for so many years they were so lax on this stuff. And that's the thing I continually wonder about America, how elastic we can be, how hard, how far down the road we can go on some of these policies before there's no point of return. That was kind of the point of my monologue yesterday, wasn't it? That you can destroy overnight what it takes decades, perhaps even centuries to build. And it's a lot harder to rebuild once you destroy those things so quickly. It's a lot harder to rebuild. I mean, the COVID experience is a perfect example. Uh, Do you think our education scores are going to snap back to the status quo ante next year? Do you think our mental health conditioning is? And then there are certain things, of course, you can never get back, which was the way people had to die in loneliness and not be able to say goodbye to their loved ones. I mean, there's all these things that you can never get back, but some of these other things are going to take a very long time to get back. And um, I I don't know if COVID permanently broke us. I don't know if the left's derangement with regard to Donald Trump permanently broke us, but we're in a very different country than we were, David, when you were in your teens we're just a very different and you're only in your early 20s now we were a very different country then this kind of rhetoric it was very abstemious it was hard to find the kind of rhetoric you now see the unhinged kind of rhetoric yes on high during election season you would get these paroxysms of mental fever about the likes of Barry Goldwater. But that would be like a week before the election. You know, or Ronald Reagan or George Bush. That would be like a here and there one-off from a political rally, from people who wished they didn't say the things they do. For example, Joe Biden wished he didn't say Mitt Romney's going to put y'all in chains. He doesn't wish that anymore. That's now his coin of conversation. That's his regular default now. In 2012, he would have been scolded for it by Barack Obama, his boss. Today, that's how the Obamas talk. That's how Biden talks. That's how Kamala Harris talks. That's how Hillary Clinton talks. That's how... They talk routinely in the editorial pages at the New York Times and the Washington Post. It used to be, you know, reserved for about a month before an election. Now it's all the time everywhere. It's, it's, it, and it puts us in the state of frenzy I constantly talk about because I think we have to understand we are, we are being led to live in a state of frenzy, which is to say a normalized state of mental illness, of freneticism. It's not healthy. It's not good for us. And you wonder why everyone goes around so stressed out because they're told all the time that half this country wants them dead or half this country believes that Hitler was right or half this country 
is fascist. They say that all the time now, all the time. And that freaks people out. And guess what? They know it. And if you think if the Democrats win en masse, if you think they have a decisive, if if and when they get a decisive victory, if you think they're going to rebound to normal, you know, Joe Lieberman, normal, Bill Clinton, normal, they aren't. Those objects in the mirror appear closer than they are. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have an investment with just a ton of flexibility built into it for you. It's in a secure collateralized portfolio where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. That's a 10.25% fixed rate of return. It's not tied to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. You're in control where you can turn your income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like. There are absolutely no fees, and you can have peace of mind in that there is no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. Of course, you get a monthly statement with no surprises. Why Refi is also based here locally. Offices on Chauncey Lane in North Phoenix. You can visit them. Good people up there. Don and Lane uh, won't ask you to sign a thing. They won't give you a sales pitch. But if uh, Don's around, he may offer you to play one of his fancy trumpets. He was showing me some the other day. He got some neat pocket trumpets. Um, check them out. InvestYRefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24. 888-YREFI-24. There are signs all around us about how we're supposed to take seriously the Democrats sometimes and then they do things, and it's just hard to take them seriously. I'll tell you the mark of an unserious country. You want the mark of a country that's luxurating in too much time on its hands? You want the sign of an unserious country, Mr. Bill? You know Representative Ted Lieu out in California, the Democrat? Ted Lieu, you've seen him around. He was all huffy and puffy during the impeachments of Donald Trump. He is pleased to introduce today, as he tweets out, twixes out, he is pleased to introduce today a bill to place a national ban on glue traps. Glue traps. You know, the things you use to eliminate rodents? You know, like Roach Motel type stuff? This is this is the mark of a serious country? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. I mean, there is bigger news. There's more important news. 177 members of Congress joined Ted Cruz and Steve Calise in an amicus curiae brief to the Supreme Court in support of Donald Trump not being thrown off the ballot in Colorado. If Joe Biden were serious about threats to democracy, as he says, he'd join that brief, too. He would join that brief, too. But he won't. And he can't. Because it is not democracy that they believe in, even though they strut and preen and pout about it. It's not. It's just a word to them. As meaningful as my truth. I'm out of time, aren't I, Bill? Or David? Yeah. <laughs> okay. 602-508-0960. 602-5089-60. Open lines for you if you want to call in on anything. We are here for you, and we'll be right back. <laughs> 